Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. We're, well, we want to, we're so thankful to have this opportunity to be with our listeners every day, Monday through Friday, opening up God's Word and digging a little bit deeper, studying a little bit further, learning a little bit more. We're thankful that you're there. And we pray that if you're listening for maybe the first time, or you've only listened for a few times, that you will quickly come to realize that Search the Scriptures is exactly what we do. It's not just the name of this program. We dig deep into God's Word. We, as I like to say, peel the layers of the onion back, so to speak. We want to look at God's Word in depth and in detail, but at the same time, we try to explain what it teaches in a way that is easy to understand and that makes sense for our everyday lives. We want to help you in your walk with God. We want to help you come to God. It's important for us to be in God's Word regularly, consistently, because faith develops as we study God's Word, learn it, understand it, and make the proper applications to our lives. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Or, boiled down, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So it is crucial to the development of our faith and our faith growing stronger and deeper that we stay in God's word on a regular, consistent basis. Ultimately, as you learn more from God's word and your faith continues to grow, you should Make up your mind that you want to come to God for forgiveness and salvation through Jesus Christ. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ as God's Son and your Lord and Savior openly, and surrendering to Him in baptism, at which point the blood that is shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. You will be, and that we find that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 22, verse 16, and you will be reborn spiritually as Jesus said, must happen in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. The Apostle Paul talks about this transformation spiritually as you becoming a new creation from a spiritual perspective, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. So you see, learning God's word is really important. Now, I'm not saying that you'll ever come to the point where you know everything, every minute detail every nuance that are communi- that is communicated in the scriptures <coughs> that would be an impossibility nobody ever gets to that point but we can become such thorough and knowledgeable students of God's word that we can understand hands down what God wants from us as to be his true followers his family his children so we want to help you along that line We encourage you to tell others about this program, Search the Scriptures. And you may know people in other parts of the country or in other countries around the world, and you might wish that you could share these these programs with them. You can. Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the homepage to the podcast button, click on that, and sign up for our podcasting. When you do that, and by the way, it's free, and it always will be free. We keep emphasizing we're not, after, we're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. When anybody signs up for our podcasting, 
they will automatically receive to their smartphone or their computer or their laptop or their pad or their tablet, whatever smart device they choose, they'll receive every day, Monday through Friday, these programs. Search the scriptures. Again, it always will be free, but they'll receive a whole lot more in teaching from God's Word. Every day, Monday through, through, uh, Monday through Sunday, we have a short, about a 13-minute Bible study that we call today's Bible class. Short, to the point, excellent source for us to get into God's Word, maybe driving to work in the morning, driving home in the evening, or maybe on a lunch break, or maybe taking a little break in the, from the chores around the house. Just about 13 minutes. But it keeps us in God's Word, and that helps us to stay focused on our relationship with God and to grow in our faith. But they'll also receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and those sermons now are posted in video format as well as audio. And uh, they'll have access to our website, again, totally free, wherein they can listen to all kinds of sermons, and they can download and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. Tremendous study resources, and it's there for free. So tell your friends to access our website, churchofchrist.com, and to sign up for our podcasting, and they will receive Search the Scriptures every day, Monday through Friday. And again, always free. Well, we're going to get back into our study, and again, this is the last section in our study on the existence of God. We have looked at this in four parts previous to this, and that was dealing with morality. And we're looking at believing in God from a logical perspective, through logical reasoning. And when we look at it from that perspective, on that basis, the evidence is overwhelming. It is compelling that, yes, God exists, and we should believe in God. Morality. If there is truly a basic standard of morality... There has to be a moral lawgiver. <laughs> and the only one who can fit that role is God. It cannot be mankind because we're all over the place in morality. And also because of that fact, it cannot be government because government's all over the place on morality. It can't be society or culture because, again, everybody has their own opinions but we all recognize a basic standard of morality. So there has to be a moral lawgiver. God is the only one who can fit that role. Goodness, again. We recognize that there is such a thing as goodness in the world. So there has to be a basic standard of goodness. Take God out of the picture, you cannot define goodness. It's just feeling whatever I want it to be. And everybody's different. But God is the source of true, basic goodness. We talked about Bible facts. And in ancient writings in the Old Testament, <clears throat> thousands of years, in a number of cases, before we figured out from a scientific learning perspective, things that were written down in Old Testament scripture, they were there. How did those writers know about those things, like the earth being round, like this, you know, 
you look out across the ocean and, and you can only see so far. Well, that's the circular nature of the earth. What about the atmosphere and the stars in the sky and all of that? Well, those things were written down in number of cases, thousands of years before we figured them out. How do those ancient writers know about those facts? God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Or, more literally, all scripture is God-breathed, God's very word. And then we talked about design. We look at design in the universe all around us. Things work together well. And when you look at design within this earth, all the systems of nature work together in interdependency and complementary fashion. They work together well. We didn't really get into, hardly at all, the design that is obvious through the human life, the human body, or physical life and animals around us and plants and so on. But there's obvious design. It's undeniable. Where does design come from? You look at a house, you see design there. That house did not happen on its own by accident. There was a designer behind the design. The obvious, more intricate and complex design in our world and in the universe around us demands the recognition of an intelligent designer behind the design, and that's God. In this particular section, we have started looking at the principle of hope, hope being a reality. And we've emphasized in introductory remarks that we're not talking about a wild wish or dream, an unrealistic desire. We're talking about a realistic desire coupled with or connected with the expectation of its fulfillment. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 13, we read from the Apostle Paul writing by inspiration from God, in other words, God's very word, he identifies God as the God of hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is the God of hope. God is the source of real hope. Now hope, again, is, is a motivating and sustaining force in life. Hope makes life worth living. It gives your life direction, purpose, and meaning. Without hope, what a forlorn existence we would live because we would be hopeless. What is the meaning of life without hope? So where does real hope come from? God. God is the source of real hope. For hope to be real, there has to be a realistic source of that hope. Again, the hope that is taught in the scriptures is not a wild wish, an unrealistic dream. It's not some fanciful desire that's beyond the bounds of, of, of reality. <clears throat> the hope taught in scripture is the desire plus the expectation of its fulfillment. The Apostle Paul, when he stood trial before the Roman governor in in Judea and Caesarea and Jerusalem, and before his Jewish king, Agrippa, 
He, he said in, in Acts chapter 26, verses 6 and 7, I'm on trial today. My incarceration, I'm a prisoner because I believe in and I teach the fulfillment of the hope that God laid out for even my Jewish brethren in Old Testament scripture. I'm teaching the fulfillment of that hope of ultimately eternal life with God in heaven through Jesus Christ. The hope of eternal life is promised confidently to the faithful Christian by God who cannot lie. Now, Paul, in his letter to Titus, he wrote this, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. Aren't you glad that God is totally righteous? That he is totally true to his word? That there is no sin in him, no unrighteousness, no wickedness, no evil? He is totally pure. Now, you may have known some people who every time they told you something, you were wondering, are they telling the truth? Because they lied all the time. They lied when it would have been easier to tell the truth. You almost came to the point, the old description, yet you know they're lying because their lips are moving. <laughs> well, some people are just about that bad. But God is exactly the opposite. God cannot lie because he is totally righteous, totally true. And so Paul wrote in verse 2 of Titus chapter 1, in hope of eternal life, which God who cannot lie promised before time began. Before he ever created mankind, he already knew because he's God. And so in his omniscience or his ability to be all-knowing, his nature of knowing everything all the time, being able to look ahead, he knew that man was going to mess up and enter into sin. And so God already had a plan for man's redemption, forgiveness, and salvation. He already had his plan to offer man that hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. And God cannot lie. Now, we have to come to God, God's way, if we want to grab on to that hope, and we want that to be realistic for our lives so that we can look forward to it with expectation of fulfillment. But God offers it to us, to everybody. In chapter 3, in verse 7, that having been justified by the grace, we should, by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now again, remember, hope taught in the scripture is not unrealistic or a wild wish or dream. We're talking about certainly the desire, but the expectation of its fulfillment because that hope is given to us by God who cannot lie, by God who is the God of hope. Hope promised by God is not a wish. It is a certainty. If we will come to him his way and live 
before him according to his teachings. It's interesting. When Paul listed in his letter to the Ephesians the seven points of basic Christian doctrine, in verse 4 he said there is one body, and that's the church, going back to chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. There is one body, one spirit, one Holy Spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. One hope, that hope coming from God. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. One hope. And that hope, again, is not a wild wish. It is a certainty because it comes from the God of hope who cannot lie. We look at Abraham in Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. Now you talk about a man who had faith. Now he struggled from time to time with his faith. But basic, basically he had that just overriding, maintaining, assuring, and guiding faith in God. That God will do what he says he will do. You go back to Genesis chapter 12, God promised Abraham that through his bloodline, through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Now as we trace his bloodline, Abraham's bloodline, we see that it would be through that that Jesus would come into the world in physical form as the Savior. And through him he offers the gospel to all mankind. All the nations of the earth would be blessed. Well, in Romans chapter 4, we read something about Abraham and his faith, his abiding hope in God that God will keep his promise. Now, when God first called Abraham, and he was known as Abram at that time, and Sarah, she was known as Sarai at that time, when God first called Abram, Abraham, he was 75 years old and his wife was about 65 years old. She was barren. She was past the age of having children. And God said, kings are going to come from you. going to multiply your seed. You'll not be able to number them. It'll, it'll be like the sand of the sea, the stars in the air, and the sky. They'll be so numerous. Well, they had no children. They had no sons. And so God made this promise. Now, Abraham being already old, 75 years old, Sarah already being past the age of bearing children, and she had never born any children, 65 years old. God waited 25 years before he fulfilled this promise of hope for Abraham and Sarah by blessing them with their son Isaac. When Isaac was born, Abraham was about 100 years old. Sarah was about 90 years old. Now, there was no question that the only way their hope in having that son who could begin that bloodline, the only hope they would have that that would be fulfilled would be that God made it happen. God blessed them with the fulfillment of their hope. 
in Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 17. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of him whom he believed, God, who, gave us, uh, who, give, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. God gave Abraham hope. He said, I have made you a father of many nations, as though it had already happened. Even though Abraham had no children. Who contrary to hope, in hope, believed. Now that was not God who hoped. It was Abraham. God made the promise. He gave the prophecy. Abraham maintained the hope. But contrary to hope, why? Because he was old, his wife was barren. 25 years passed before God fulfilled that promise and fulfilled the hope that Abraham and his wife had for that son who would carry on the bloodline of Abraham and ultimately through that bloodline the nation of Israel would come into existence and through the nation of Israel's bloodline the Savior would come into the world who contrary to hope, in hope, believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. So shall your descendants be, going all the way back to the promise in Genesis. Now why could Abraham maintain such hope? Because the God of hope, who cannot lie, promised him the fulfillment of that hope. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb, she was about 90 years old, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised, that is what God had promised him, he was also able to reform. Now why could God cause a 90-year-old woman who had been barren all of her life, never had any children, why could God bless her through her husband who was 100 years old to have that child of promise? Because God is all-powerful. God is the God of hope. And so Abraham believed he was convinced that what God had promised, he was able to perform because he's God, all-powerful. And therefore, it was accounted to him for righteousness. Abraham had abiding faith in God's promise to fulfill the hope that he had offered to him. 25 years before, and Abraham being 100 years old, and his wife 90, the God of hope who cannot lie. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us and thank you for offering, offering us the ultimate hope of an eternal home with you in heaven. If we will come to you through Jesus Christ, your way. Please guide us in this, Father. Guide people everywhere in this so that they can grasp and be fulfilled with this hope. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.